If you like this podcast, share it with your friends. You can follow us on social media either on Facebook or on Twitter at Clever Ramblings. If you have any feedback or comments, please mail us at cleverramblings at gmail.com or visit our website cleverramblings.weebly.com. As always, we really appreciate you listening and now enjoy today's podcast. podcast my name is ivan and i'm M. and today we have a special guest our first actual sort of interview discussion and dialogue so we wanted to try to expand the podcast and invite our friends and other experts in their in their field in order to discuss their research and their interests and so today i have a friend who i met in cambridge uh we're at the same college we met at, at the at the college bar um, and he's one of, honestly, not even, not to kiss ass, but I, I told him as well, he's one of the smartest people that I know. Um, and so I wanted to bring him on and talk about his research and he, particularly in, in AI. Um, so his name is Steven. So welcome Steven to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I've been a fan of your podcast for, I've, I think I've heard all the episodes so far, except for the last one. I, I, I listened to it next time. Yeah, it's cool. It's funny. Uh, I would always tell M, I was like, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this one guy, Steven, he always like sends me paragraphs of like <laughs> of stuff. Like it'll be like this big burst. And every time I see like I have like nine notifications, I'm like, it's either a group chat or it's <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's great. To, it's great to finally have you on as our first guest. Um, so basically, so to start off, I mean, you know, for for the listeners, basically, you know, Tell us something about yourself. You know, what is your what is your background and and how did you become involved in artificial intelligence? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's really a, <clears throat> a long story, but I'm gonna try to condense it maybe to uh, two minutes or something like that. Um, so I, I think uh, I've been interested in uh, science since childhood. So I think the first thing I remember is like when I was a little child my father uh, gave me a book uh, it was a Stephen Hawking book uh, uh, the brief history of time I don't know if mm-hmm. you've read this one uh, but I know but I've, I've heard of it though yeah it's kind of a popular science book so that kind of made me uh, fascinated with physics so at the time I thought I was going to be a physicist and uh, uh, later I uh, ended up going to college at Columbia University in New York and you know at American schools I mean you've also you went to school in America uh, you yeah, have like two years to choose your major, right? You don't you don't decide right away. Yeah. Uh, so I was torn between uh, computer science, mathematics, and uh, physics, and um, I also programmed. Uh, uh, I learned programming quite early on, maybe when I was up around ten, and I really went, you know, uh, from the bottom up. So I started with assembly language, uh, C, C plus plus, and so on. Um, but um, my first year, I took some computer science classes and some physics classes. And um, actually, I took a uh, Brian Greene's class on quantum physics. Oh, really? Theory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he's quite quite famous for popularizing science as well. Um, but I realized that my math level wasn't uh, uh, wasn't advanced enough to fully comprehend some of the things. Uh, so I ended up majoring in pure math, and I just did uh, a math major because I thought it's a good background for science if I want to go into research in the future. 
Um, and I ended up doing a lot of uh, abstract math that's not very useful to me right now, like algebraic topology, category theory. Uh, and I'm taking graduate courses. And then I ended up at Cambridge. And um, I thought I was going to do PhD in, in mathematics at that point. But I kind of got, you know, uh, disillusioned with pure math because um, I realized it's more like a game that we play in our own minds uh, than uh, something directly related to to physical reality. It's more like a, what our our mind creates axioms and we play with them. It's a model of the world. It's not really uh, directly applicable. Um, right. And then I discovered through friends at Cambridge, I discovered uh, machine learning. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, we can make computers, uh, maybe uh, use computers to understand reality, to learn from data and maybe uh, help us solve um, physics as well. And AI was always something that fascinated me on some level. Like one of the first programs I've written when I was little was uh, a chatbot, but it would, of, of course, it would appear to be intelligent, but it wasn't. It was just uh, answering questions that were uh, pre-coded. You know, like you say hello, it says hi, and then you ask it its name or something, and it answers. Um, so machine learning was really something that uh, fascinated me because you could, you didn't have to pre-code things. You could have the algorithm learn on its own. Uh, and um, so I ended up being accepted to the computer science program at Cambridge, the graduate program. Um, but again, uh, even statistical machine learning, I still didn't feel it would lead to something like human intelligence because it was still mm -hmm. just math in in some sense. It was just statistical models. And, you know, you have domain experts. They understand some uh, domain like natural language and they have some of the of their own axioms. They have priors and you build statistical models and then you just train it from data. Um, so I actually transferred to the University of Chicago and I uh, met Hinton, who's a famous deep learning uh yeah, one of the kind founders of, like, of yeah, deep learning, right? Yeah, he's he's a he's kind of the person that made it famous because he stuck with it for decades when it was abandoned, um, and that kind of inspired me because it was very different from what I was used to, like uh, mathematical computer science. It was more organic. It was you know neural networks weren't fully understood, and it was something that like one of the the the, the worst things about uh, previous approaches to AI was feature engineering, like humans still had to understand the data and engineer the features. And deep learning is something that can discover features on its own or even redesign itself. And that kind of got me into uh, AI. And uh, yeah, now um, I think uh, deep learning is neural networks is the only path to AGI if, if it's possible. Um, okay. In terms of what I do now, I, I'm in Tokyo right now, actually. So... <clears throat> Now that we established like sort of the background, like what what type of research uh, do you focus on, right? Because you've talked about like AGI yeah. and neural nets. Um, is that the main focus? Is is AGI or for for the listeners, AGI is artificial general intelligence. So as opposed right. to narrow AI, which will which helps to solve like certain tasks such as like playing chess or AlphaGo or something like that, artificial general intelligence or AGI would be able to generalize just like humans do and be able to accomplish and be experts at many different tasks. So is that sort of your research focus or what do you sort of aim to do? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think um, if I look uh, like really far ahead, if I want to uh, have an, you know, what I'm inspired by in the future, uh, what I aim to do, uh, I'm interested in just understanding uh, 
computational processes uh, that give rise to in intelligent behavior to, to understand how intelligence works and uh, uh, maybe consciousness, uh, things like that. But more pragmatically, what I'm maybe focused on now uh, is uh, uh, deep learning architectures for natural language understanding. So uh, designing uh, AI models that can uh, uh, make sense of uh, natural languages, like text, for example. Understanding the meaning of sentences and words. Um, that's one part of it. Another part is uh, looking at um, neural networks. Um, I mean, I don't know how familiar uh, the viewers are or the listeners here. With uh, let's so just assume a, that they don't know. <laughs> so basically, uh, it's a model kind of inspired, you know, by early computational neuroscience, uh, a model of, of how brains process information. And it's a network of uh, units called neurons that do some processing, and there's many of them that are connected in a big graph. And um, the strength of the connections between different neurons determines uh, basically how the how the computation uh, propagates through the network. So you can think uh, of the whole brain, the whole artificial brain, uh, in terms of those connections. And uh, a thought process is basically a uh, 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 defined by this uh, um, communication that happens between neurons, and um, you can you can think of them as real numbers. So when you have lots of them, you can think of the whole brain if you freeze time um, as uh, the neural activity that happens there. You can think of it as a vector in some very high-dimensional vector space. Just you know, each each number, each component of the vector is one connection between a pair of neurons. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm interested in what in my research now in exploring is uh, how different thought processes and learning that manifest themselves as manifolds of neural activity so if you have many different thoughts or a process it's basically like this vector of connections uh, is a point in that very high dimensional vector space and you have many such points that they form a point cloud and that space is very high dimensional but there's a hypothesis called manifold hypothesis that uh, the actual thoughts are lower dimensional submanifolds of that space. So what you're looking at when you see a neural network, for example, you show it images or text, and it lights up and you have neurons getting excited. If you record those numbers, they are like noisy samples from a surface, from a neighborhood of some lower dimensional submanifold. So I'm, I'm interested in looking at shape of those manifolds using algebraic topology and tools from mathematics uh, to understand uh, what kind of algebraic properties uh, learning exhibits. And um, there's a good quote from, uh, there's a quotation from Hinton, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but he uh, he said it during a, a meeting in Chicago where I met him. Uh, and he said that for years in AI, people thought that, you know, even for millennia, if you start with philosophers, they thought that um, designing an artificial mind, uh, a robot that can think, would be encoding a lot of logical rules in some formal language. But deep learning has a different approach where you don't actually have those logical rules, but you have a smooth kind of dynamically evolving manifold of activity that's not fully deterministic. And that's kind of interesting to me because it's more like organic. It's more like something feels like biology more than engineering. Mm. So like example of this is like, you know, uh, let's say uh, you see uh, um, like the idea that, for example, language has to be encoded in the brain as some kind of 
uh, formal grammar is actually not what deep learning would uh, suggest. It's kind of like saying that if you look at an image, the input is in pixels. And, uh, but what happens in the brain is not in terms of pixels. It's in, in terms of abstractions, which are mathematical functions of this, of this input. So same happens with language and other uh, inputs, any perceptual data, I think, is that it's not expressed in terms of those strict rules, but it's more the input comes in, it's transformed into this vector space. And in this vector space, we have uh, different uh, smooth transformations that uh, define the, the reasoning. I don't know, this is too, too high level, maybe too hard to understand. <laughs> Listen, man, it was high level yeah. like five minutes ago. <laughs> like, it's, it's been high level. I'm sitting there like, I can, I mean, I can somewhat follow because I'm like, I, I mean, I mean, you know, Stephen, from from our, our talks, yeah. like, I really love AI and I'm very interested in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that yeah, was, no. that was, that was <laughs> I couldn't shit. follow. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, like, so what do you but, do? Uh, dimensional. Da, da, da. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, maybe like in a in a layman's terms, like in a way, what I'm doing is I'm looking at a brain, artificial brain, not a biological brain. That's what you study. Uh, right. I'm looking at a neural network, artificial neural network, and I show it some input, like a sentence in natural language, or you know, a document or an image, and then I look at the at the how neurons get excited when they see it, and uh, I transform that pattern of uh, neural activity into a geometric object that has a shape mm -hmm. kind of it can be something like a torus for example like a donut uh, okay. but it, of course it's much more complex than that right but that shape defines the thoughts so the, in my view thoughts are shapes of those geometric objects that brain defines <laughs> okay that that yeah that is easier to understand <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> Um, <laughs> shit. And, and, and maybe like, uh, you know, a reasoning process when you think you get from one thought and you, uh, you kind of, um, transform your thinking corresponds to deforming that object. So imagine, imagine taking that, uh, that manifold, that object, uh, that geometric thing and stretching it and twisting it. That's what reasoning is in my view. But um, that's, oh. that, that's a kind of metaphorical language I use, but mathematically that's what happens. I think. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's. <laughs> all right i guess i guess we'll ask you more questions so we could get further mind fucked right i can't wait till we get to the sex robots part yeah that's good oh man that's gonna be that's gonna be where the conversation is gonna take a left uh but we'll, we'll see so yeah so, and what, what do you have so what i would be interested in is your opinion which future challenges humanity will face with the continued development of ai as further and further we go, what challenges do we face? What do we have to overcome and face in the future? Yeah, uh, that's that's a popular uh, question. So actually, I have friends who are lawyers. I mean, they're not AI scientists, but they work on AI policy. It became a very big... Uh, actually, in Cambridge last year, I went to a lecture by Max Tegmark, who wrote this uh, book. He was Life here last year? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he was, he was at Cambridge last year. Oh. Uh, so he was talking about his book, and um, he's the co-founder of the Future of Life Institute, and it's basically a policy-making institute involving uh, uh, policymakers, lawyers, uh, scientists, engineers, and people of status. Like Elon Musk is part of it, uh, Stephen Hawking was part of it, um, and that's what 
the, the whole purpose of that institute is to prepare for those changes, to, to prepare the legal systems, the governments, to advise the governments how to prepare for what's coming because of AI. Um, so most experts that I've met, uh, they, I mean, predict, it might be wrong, but um, most, most experts think maybe within five to 10 years, many manual tasks, manual labor tasks, like driving cars, uh, uh, cooking, uh, construction work, and so on, in principle, could be automated by using AI systems. Uh, mm. Maybe uh, five to ten years after that, you can automate most of uh, maybe uh, office jobs, like you know, even lawyers and doctors, kind of knowledge-based jobs where people just apply the rules. Uh, and you know, maybe after that, thirty, forty years later, you might have uh, something that can uh, do creative work and even research itself. And at that point, you know, we'll we'll go into super intelligence where AI will do AI research and we'll be lost we won't even understand what's happening anymore yeah so I mean, that poses yeah so i think that poses really big challenges to society because what happens in 20 30 years when uh, most jobs that people do uh, can be replaced by machines and those machines can do it uh, mo much more efficiently and uh, cheaper right um i think that's going to happen but i don't think it's going to happen in in practice as fast because there will be obviously uh uh, some friction in society. Uh, the governments will try to impose regulation to block it from happening uh, until they figure out what to do with the people because you, you're going to have to change uh, our capitalist system at some point, I think, because, I mean, what you need some kind of basic income for everyone or uh, some other form of managing society. So those people who are out of jobs, because that will be majority of the of people, uh, can still right. survive. Yeah, so I think that's, that's a big problem for the for the next couple decades i mean yeah i mean that that that's interesting i mean that, that naturally leads into like like a related question of like how of regulation right and i you know it's, it's always interesting like the whole you know fourth industrial evolution i mean uh, revolution and and everything about how jobs are going to be you know manually like people are going to be replaced right and i think it was in nick bostrom's book super intelligence right yeah um or or i've heard it somewhere else where it said that actually may not be a bad thing after all, in a sense that if, like, say, for example, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, right? Maybe 70% of people who work these manual jobs don't actually like their job, right? Yeah, that's true. And so if they're, in, in a way, if you're looking for just purely optimi like optimization terms, right, you want people to be motivated to do the job that they're doing, right? And so you don't want a whole bunch of people who don't want to be there to be doing this job, right? Because then that invites sloppiness, that invites, you know, especially <clears> depending <throat> on the level of importance of their job, it can potentially have very bad, um, you know, problems. Um, and somewhat what I think, in my personal opinion, is – Replace. I mean, it all depends on how the government responds. Like basic income, as you as you were saying, um, where everyone would get, you know, sort of a base sort of salary from the government. Um, I think actually it could end up being a very positive thing in a sense that people would end up being able to do things that they really enjoy doing. So maybe some people want to do art, like want to be an artist, but their yeah. job prevents them because they don't have as much time, and by the time they get home, they're tired or whatever like that. Some people may want to be actors they may want to be you know do other pursuits that they can't do while because they have to earn a living yeah exactly yeah sometimes at least sometimes i'm not saying it's something we don't have to worry about 
because regulation, I think, is definitely a is going to be a very difficult thing to do. I always offer. I think that sometimes people only look at the negative and they don't look at it's possible that this could actually be a really good thing. I'm I'm an optimist actually. It kind of reminds me of uh, you know uh, medieval Europe when you had majority of society uh, peasants working the fields all day, right? And you had a very minority of uh, aristocrats that they didn't work, right? I mean, when they worked, they just did things they liked, like art, uh, hunting, or whatever they wanted to do with their time. And I think, uh, you know, it's possible that uh, once machines can repair themselves, can create other machines, can solve problems for us, um, they could be the peasants in a sense. I mean, I don't want to, maybe it's a bad uh, language for this because it, it kind of, uh, um, then we anthropomorphizing robots that you know they might be unhappy, but assuming they are, <laughs> they are happy with their job, right? Uh, you can imagine that humans will be like what aristocracy used to be in the in the in the past, and uh, robots will be working in the fields all day. You know? Yeah, what I heard on this topic was the concept that I found interesting is that you get assigned a robot or AI or whatever, and you get the income that the AI provides for the company or whatever, and then you can like. You both said focus on that, what you really want to do, be it art, be it sports, whatever. You have time because the robot does your work, but you get the money because the robot doesn't need the money yet. So I think that could be a really good solution because sooner or later, everything's going to be replaced because it's more efficient. Like you said, people get sloppy or they don't enjoy their work, so they do it half-hearted. So yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, and that's how it used to be, right? You had the, if you were owner of a field, you had people working on your field, you were getting the money and <laughs> they were just working, right? And theoretically, yeah. these, these robots, I mean, of course you get it, like you said, about them being unhappy. And of course we were somewhat anthropomorphizing, but if they're not sentient, right? Then you right. wouldn't have that problem of them being unhappy. They would all, they, and they would have no sort of affect or somewhat res emotional response to performing these tasks right so we w i think we wouldn't want to have conscious robots doing these tasks because then they would have desires mm -hmm. of their own right we would want to have it so that this robot is very good at doing this specific task so probably like narrow ai in a way that does not have consciousness because then you avoid all of the ethical um issues assigned uh, uh, you know naturally assigned with that I think, yeah, I think we will have probably a, a whole hierarchy of species of AI that are on different levels of uh, consciousness, um, some some form of consciousness. But even if they are conscious uh, or fully sentient, like, you know, uh, super intelligence, even higher than humans, I still think they will, uh, we, we're still anthropomorphizing that because I think they will be very different from us. Their emotions will be very different from us the form of consciousness will not be just a copy of uh, human intelligence, human consciousness. Uh, it's not a mirror image of, of us because a lot of uh, things that happen with humans, like the, the things that make us happy or unhappy, actually uh, come from our long evolutionary history. Like we're not actually born uh, entire blank slate, like tabula rasa. We're not, we're not born with that. We are born with some I would say pre-trained weights, at least in the right region, uh, and that comes from our uh, genetics. So some things that make us happy were probably uh, 
inspired by things that make us survive more or things like that. And I think because machines, they don't, they don't have the same history. They don't have the same uh, background as us. They will have different, different emotions from humans and di different things will make them happy. They are, they actually might be, might find happiness in working, uh, at some job, doing something that we designed them for. I mean, we do with another, but yeah, uh, we, we, possibly. we can assign the same emotions to machines, even if they sanction because they will be different. Yeah. I think we definitely do anthropomorphize a lot to AI too much. And another thing is like uh, pragmatics of it, right? You, even if you wanted to regulate it, like they're trying to do now uh, with um, initiatives like the Future of Life Institute, I don't think you really can in practice because um, AI is a very powerful tool and it, it will become even more powerful in the future. If you try to uh, ban certain uses of it or try to uh, prevent some forms of research, someone else will do it. Some other company will do it or some other country will do it. Same goes right. for, uh, you know, even applications of AI in the military. You can't, I don't think you can really stop it. You can probably slow it down in developed countries like US, uh, uh, EU and so on. Uh, but, uh, someone will do it. You know, North Korea might do it. Some other countries might do it. Right. And uh, I definitely, yeah, I definitely think yeah. banning things is not the way to go because it just drives it underground. I think me and, I think me and M talked about this, right? We talked about this with regard to drugs, right? Is that we shouldn't, you shouldn't just try to, ban things because then in a way it 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 just goes into a, a a black market in a sense right um and then you end up probably with more problems than you had at the outset and especially with a tool like uh, ai um you know the only reason we dominate this planet among other species uh the main reason i would say is our intelligence once you have a tool that's that can generate unlimited intelligence you know you can make copies of of uh, machines that are smarter than any human, that's an enormous power. Whoever wields that power will rule the world. So I think uh, trying to stop the development of AI in any form is dangerous because your enemies will do it, and then you're, you you won't be able to compete with them. Oh man, that shit just got scary. <laughs> <laughs> that shit got. But I'm an optimist. Like I'm, I'm more of an optimist. Like you, but that shit just got scary. No, it's uh, there was a meeting. Uh, I don't remember the source exactly, but it's, it was a Reuters uh, article, I think. There was a meeting uh, in China among top generals, and they basically decided that AI is a greater uh, security threat than uh, nuclear weapons Yeah. for the near future. Mm. And it's part of the now military funding to develop AI. I think it might get scary before it gets uh, better, but in the end, I think uh, AI will bring more benefits than... Uh, negative effects we well, can probably cure, cure cure some diseases that we can figure out at the moment you can probably uh uh solve our inefficiencies uh energy uh consumption and so on using uh, ai so i'm optimistic as well yeah i think i'm, I'm definitely more of an optimist and what are you are you are you more optimistic or do you think you think we're fucked oh man that that's a tough question because the same with nuclear power for example it brought a lot of bad things like Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but also a lot of good things. So I'm torn. I, I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic because I see the advantages it brings today. So I hope this continues, but at the same time could just fuck up tremendously and we could like eliminate our whole species, like with the nuclear thing, with AI that controls nowadays everything. 
and somebody who who wants to take over the world i don't know somebody maybe in the east a big country there or something like that or the us they're gonna start again doing shit between the two countries i don't know could go bad, but it's like that's with everything every new technology it's always you could fuck everything up but it can also bring a lot of positives right and i and i think and i think with ai the, the thing that's most interesting about it is that it's it's a, it's a completely different type of scenario than anything humanity has ever faced because if you think about right. it if ai becomes sentient or intelligent enough to think for itself right and it chooses to rebel against humans there is no terminator like people always talk about the terminator right like oh we'll be battling robots there's no, no way we'd have a chance like because if it is able to learn right imagine it could do thousands and thousands of, of years of of research and 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 simulations yeah. and stuff like that in a, in in a matter of what a few seconds even worse when it self improves like the thing about ai that's more powerful i think than any form of intelligence that existed on earth so far is that um we are kind of bound to our hardware and it's at least you know we can try to modify it in some way but still we at at this point in history we're bound to our brain versus ai is kind of uh, free of that it could redesign its own hardware it could improve it could do research in computing in chip design it could actually improve its own hardware and then design better software and better hardware and the cycle continues and um because ai you know you're a neuroscientist so you know um uh, um the communication in the brain the bandwidth is quite low right it's not exactly. a speed of light like in the circuits right Right. So you can't have a biological brain that's the size of a planet because it would uh, it wouldn't it would be, be able so to slow you wouldn't really yeah. be able to do anything exactly versus and it would probably split into uh, you know diff, uh, multiple uh, um, hubs like multiple, multiple brains people. right yeah um, like split personalities um, versus AI because it communicates at the speed of light almost it could actually be almost the size of a dwarf planet uh, actually there's a calculation by a physicist he done he's, he actually did this it could be size of a, a dwarf planet before it has this problem so imagine a brain that's faster than ours with better software and the size of a planet you can't imagine <laughs> that <laughs> you can't imagine this form of intelligence it's kind of like um imagine you know that there were some experiments with uh, uh monkeys right when they uh, they were teaching them sign language and they could communicate simple ideas to a chimp for example right um Imagine um, that AI could, within our lifetime possibly, uh, be far beyond the difference between us and chimps. And now imagine uh, you bring a chimp to uh, to uh, Tokyo or somewhere where I am, and you show it the city. You're in the middle of a big city, and you try to explain to it that we built all of that. This airplane in the sky that you're looking at, we built this. This building, we built this. It wouldn't be able to even comprehend the the level of technology. It would think it's part of nature or something. So imagine right. AI design, designing technology, maybe nanotechnology that's invisible to us, maybe software embedded that we can't even sense. It can design the level of technology that we won't even be able to comprehend, even if it tried to explain it to us. Yes, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's crazy. That, AI that's is kind of scary, yeah. So regarding this, what do you think then we have to regulate? And can we even efficiently regulate AI if it gets to a certain point? I think it, we will regulate it. We're already starting, actually. There are already initiatives uh, in several countries to try to regulate it. But I don't think uh, practically it's possible because 
the people who make the laws, uh, either they, they will overshoot and they will just ban too much AI research, uh, which will be bad, but it will still happen underground, like you said, uh, or they will not fully understand the problem. I mean, most lawmakers don't even understand how computers work. Uh, they won't understand it enough, so they won't regulate it in the right way. So I don't, I'm not optimistic about the regulation. I think that's not going to work. I so, think we, we, it's more like, um, we're playing with fire, but I'm just optimistic in the sense that I don't think AI is going to kill us. I don't think, uh, I think that's again, anthropomorphizing AI, that this killer instinct that we have to wipe out other species is again, I think part of, uh, our evolutionary history that we are competing with other species in a, in a harsh environment. So we have this kind of uh, mentality that, you know, Terminator and everything like that. But I don't think AI will have the same mentality. I think even if it becomes conscious, it might just leave the planet, the, the ones that are conscious, and just leave us alone. Why, why, why wipe us out? Why kill us? So you said that AI is, is, is evolving, like, pretty quickly, right? Um, and you said within maybe yeah, yeah. For, 40 years, we might have something to sensing, right? Um, another yeah, sort of development um, that I've been thinking about has been in virtual reality. Um, yes. <laughs> and because, you know, even there's even people at my unit, there's, I think there's there's another one of my colleagues, he's doing, he's studying like memory in virtual reality environments. And these these things are becoming more and more realistic, right? And you like you can even see with video games, right? Where you had, and, and, right. and the way that the graphics, are, some of them look so lifelike. Um, and I sometimes wonder, just like people can be addicted to video games, or they could, you know, they spend hours and hours and hours in this. If you can create a reality, right, that is perfectly fit to your needs, right, you could do whatever you want and whatever, and you're not, you know, I mean, of course, again, we would be anthropomorphizing, like whether these AI agents in the virtual reality would be um, sentient. But say that they're not. Let's 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 keep that out. Like, do you think people might actually sort of? I know this is a little sci-fi, but but do you think people would actually prefer a reality environment choose as to opposed live. to yeah, yeah as opposed to choose to just live there, right? And and instead of you know what's what's going on right now in the world. No, absolutely. Um, I think I think that's going to happen. For sure, it's already happening, especially where I live now in Japan. Uh, you have people addicted to virtual reality that isn't even that advanced yet. I mean, they, uh, there was, uh, this week, uh, there was, I think, uh, it was this week uh, on the news. I don't know if it happened this week, but some guy got married to a virtual girlfriend that's an AI bot that he can interact with. And he actually had a wedding ceremony and paid $20,000, invited his, his friends. And they now live together, and it's just an AI software that he communicates with. So I think people are already escaping uh, into this dream world. And it, it's, I mean, it's kind of part of human nature, right? That's why we read novels. That's why, that's why we watch movies. That's why we play video games, is to ex escape from uh, mundane reality and go into a, a world where uh, we can be someone else or uh, have a girlfriend or... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but does this is I mean, this something that that you're worried about? Like, is this something that you think poses like an actual problem for the future, right? Because, like you said, it could be a novel, like a novel escaping to another world. Yeah. But again, escaping for like years at a time <laughs> could be could actually be a bad thing. 
I think it's it's going to be more addictive than drugs in some sense because as those things become more and more realistic, like, as you said, uh, people will spend more and more time in them. And if robots can do our jobs, then uh, it's possible that people would choose, you know, they have so much free time, they would choose to spend more time in a virtual world. I mean, there's this whole uh, simulation argument that uh, since this might be possible, uh, how do we know it hasn't already happened in the past? How do we know we're not living in a virtual reality right now? Yeah, we could be in a matrix. I mean, listen, if we are living in a simulation, I don't know about you, but listen, I want like, <laughs> I want more shit. So, <laughs> you they, didn't like, pay, Ivan, for the listen, simulation. Whatever, 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 extra. Simulation, no, whatever simulation <laughs> I'm in, I should be like way more like successful than I am now. <laughs> like if I if I paid for this shit, man, I should have man. It might be it might be that we're we're we are actually AI, you know. It might be that there was a civilization that created virtual reality and inside virtual reality there were bots and then there were lots of physics uh, simulated and then they evolved more AI inside and more simulation and we might be a million levels of simulation deep and the biological forms that created this whole simulation might be long gone and we're just uh, running on some old computer on some planet somewhere. Oh, that's so trash. I, like, they could have they they at least made me, like, a Super Saiyan. Like, I would have I would have loved to be, like, as Dragon Ball Z. Is, like, I know this is, like, a little tangent, but, like, Super, Super uh, Dragon Ball is, like, my favorite fucking thing. And the, the new Brawly uh, movie, I don't know if you heard, it's going it, to – it's already screened in Japan. And this is completely irrelevant, but I just wish that I was, like, a Super Saiyan or something like that. Like, that, that'll be my so, next situation. So, so, Ivan, would you um, – once the technology, let's say, 20, 30 years from now, uh, when you're uh, an older professor of neuroscience or something, uh, when the technology becomes available and you're you got your uh, you know you've you've published your work, you worked enough, and you're kind of retiring, would you go into the virtual world and be uh, I don't know uh, some other person or live in a world that's made up? Uh, it depends. I mean, I am a transhumanist, right? So I do believe in all of this merging with technology and stuff. I think as far as going into a virtual reality to stay it really depends how trash my life is at that point um i think you know if the the more the more trash my life is right i'll be old and shit yeah and i think you know i won't be, be able to like move as fast it's like retirement it, right like, yeah it, it depends what, yeah yeah when let's say if it was like the matrix level that you plug in and you don't feel your body anymore you imagine you're you know you barely can move you're sick and then you go into a virtual world and uh you you're young again and you you live you you run around the fields and uh, play soccer or whatever. Oh man, this could be like in my virtual reality in retirement. I would like make an album with Rihanna, <laughs> and like Rihanna would be like my best friend, and Rihanna would be like, "Oh man, I've been, like you made such great music." You know, but I don't know. M, what, what would you do? I, th- I think I have a, I have a feeling that M, knowing M, he would just as long as you give me beer and later hosen. Yeah, beer and Lederhosen, because Bavaria, we always wear Lederhosen. No, yeah, especially when you get old, and like you said, it depends on how trash my life would be by then. <laughs> if I like, <laughs> if I'm not successful, if like fa- I don't have a family and stuff, then yeah, why not? Because if it hasn't any disadvantages, um, why wouldn't I do that? Why I would prefer then a virtual reality over <laughs> my shit life. <laughs> Why wouldn't I do that? But yeah, if if I have a lot of social contacts and family and I'm successful, I wouldn't do it. Because I think 
these things would suffer a lot from because like Steven said, sure. I think it's so addictive to go in there. I already see that from just gaming or there are online worlds like World of Warcraft where people spend a lot of hours just to get away from the usual day. And I think this with the possibility to be so realistic could even be more addictive. So everything around you probably would forget and social contacts, your work would all suffer from that, I think. What about you, Steven? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm so big on... Unless I was, like, suffering from pain or something, and in the virtual world, I wouldn't feel it. That, that, then, yes, then probably I would choose that. But I'm more interested in expanding my own brain capacity, or, like, with technology, you know, augmenting your uh, your body or your brain. I would be, okay. I would be up for that. Uh, not maybe escaping to a game world, but... Uh, living in this world, but with improved capabilities, maybe a robotic body and, uh, you know, some uh, implants in my brain that make me think faster or uh, have more memory. I mean, yeah, I'm more I'm, interested in that. Yeah, that that would be the ideal case for me. But, you know, if I'm broke and I don't have any money, yeah. and <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just trash. Like, I, I mean, virtual reality is my, really my only option, man. I'm just like, all right. <clears throat> but, you know, I won't if I have a family and kids and stuff like that, then... My life will just be trash with them, you know? Like, it'll just, they'll have to, you know, deal with my trash. But it's okay. So, yeah. Um, maybe uh, another thought that's unrelated to this top, to this current topic. I was thinking uh, <clears throat> the reason, like, why AI is exciting on another level, more maybe philosophical level, is because think about it, how lonely we are. Yeah, I mean, we, we have many people, but everything you've ever seen, every, the art you've, you've seen so far, uh, the science you've, you've read, uh, movies, anything you've ever experienced was created by other humans, which are, you know, similar to you in a way. Um, it would be interesting. So we've never actually were able to communicate with another form of intelligence that's around our level, at least, or higher. We never encountered alien civilizations that we could talk to and uh, share ideas on, on the meaning of life, universe, and everything. So developing AI that could become conscious is, to me, is exciting maybe from that point of view as well, that it might, once we can talk to it and it can think on its own, it's like meeting an alien from a different planet because it's, it's going to be different from us and it's going to provide us with different insights that we might not, or art even, that we might not have thought of because it's, it's not how our brain works. Uh, I mean, that's a really good segue into our next question, right, Em? Yeah, the, the big question, the one we've all <laughs> been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Ivan is really is it, interested is, is in this, this topic. The, oh no! no, 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 no. <laughs> nope. Is it the sex, sex I think, robots? Uh, I think it. I'm all for human relationships. <laughs> sure. And that is. I just think this topic is interesting because I think it'll happen. So the th the question is with the advances advantages of human AI. How will this change relationships like, for example, sex robots? Uh, they're going to be pre preferred over like normal relationships and also friends. Do we have in the future AI friends? If they were conscious, if they were like they had free will and they were independent, that they weren't just pre-programmed bots, um, then I mean, I would be friends with them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not maybe a big on the sex robots thing. Um, not that I'm discriminating against uh, robots. <laughs> but, 
but I mean, it just doesn't like personally, it doesn't turn me on uh, too much. I guess it's something biological. I don't know. Like there's something weird about it. It's yeah. kind of like, I mean, they exist now. I mean, they're, they're dolls and they're even, you know, in Japan, they have very advanced ones. They like $10,000 for a doll uh, with yeah. AI in it and everything. It's not on the level of humans yet, but sure, it's popular here already. I mean, there are people who buy those things and they, yeah. No, and, I, I just told you about this guy who married uh, a virtual girlfriend. So I think, yeah, people will do that. But I don't think I will do it personally. But yeah, I don't know. And it's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I think I watched like this. And it wasn't a documentary. It was just like a, a like a little maybe 15-minute video about how like the sex robot industry. And it's very interesting because, again, like, you know, tech seems to be dominated. No offense to, you know, y'all two, but, but white men. <laughs> tend to be the the ones that always dominate so i think someone was saying about how everything seems to be tailored towards men right so you have a lack of female like you know mac lack of like uh sex robots for for females for heterosexual females but they, they will have them too i think i mean i don't know i've talked to some female friends who are actually i asked that question actually about the sex robots and the ai and some of my female friends are actually looking forward to that they they prefer they they would buy a sex robot so i don't yeah i mean i think you're right that it's uh, most of it is male perspective but i think uh, there will be versions of them for uh female audience as well mm. man this world that we going in is going to be <laughs> very interesting like... you know um in japan they actually have um this kind of culture that we don't have in the west uh kind of geisha culture right uh, it's uh -huh. kind of uh, hiring a girlfriend. It's not sex work, it's not prostitution, but it's more like you go to a shop and um, you rent a girlfriend and basically she becomes your friend, but it's all acting. So it's, they all, you know, acting. And they even, you know, call you at home. They, if you're sick, they bring you medicine and they pretend to be a real friend that you have in your contact. You can text them and you pay them money to just talk to them. And uh, they have the same version of those hostess bars, it's called here, uh, like the geisha bars for females and they are very popular so there are host bars where you can rent a boyfriend and a lot of japanese women do that so shit i, think, I mean you know, how much money yeah. can you make from that <laughs> you're moving to japan too nah man i might <laughs> listen, like if, if someone's gonna pay me money to like talk to them like fuck i'll talk to them like fuck like i mean you just you just, you just send that you just, you just you just transfer that money over into my account you know what i mean i'll text you all people, damn day people are lazy and selfish and uh you know a lot of people are on the inside and they don't want to put in the work towards a real relationship. So if they can afford it, you know, if you rent a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they're not going to really be mean to you or argue with you. It's kind of fake relationship. That's so I think sex robots will be something similar. You can probably you buy a robot and, you know, you will be an ideal partner in the sense that you will make you feel good. It's, and it could be it could be even more interesting, like like say if it is sent, like say if the robot is sentient, right? And say you have male, female robots, but then we all know that like gender is a spectrum, right? What if, what if, what if you have a robot that decides that it's not, it's no longer the gender that it was assigned, right? And get like, like that, like that would be so, like, it would be so <clears throat> different. Like, I mean, if, if we, if we have a pro, if we have confusions, um, like about human, like gender and sexuality i could just imagine how that how that confusion would like just multiply um with but, an ai 
And I wonder, like, would think? they face yeah. discri- like would they face discrimination, like like the like these like uh like LGBT have have uh have seen, and 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 would 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 they see violence like they've seen, or how would that kind of? I mean, this is completely random, but it's just something that I'm <laughs> sort of thinking, yeah. like like would. I think part of the reason, part of some of the things about like AI rights and all that stuff, I think the interesting things about it is like when we talk about it, we still haven't figured out human rights, right? So, right. And, and again, yeah, hu- yeah, AI would be different from humans, but we haven't even figured out how we don't discriminate against black people or LGBT people or my, other minorities or, you know, uh, other. But other do, you, do you think, do you think with, AI, those problems will not really exist in a sense because a lot of the reason they are problems in human society is because we are bound to our biological bodies and it's very hard to change that. But for well, robots, think... they could they could easily transfer the software to a different robot if they don't like the way that they look, for example. That's one thing. And second, I don't think they will have such attachment to the gender because they don't really have a gender, right? I mean, it's it's more a superficial thing imposed on them by humans. It's not like uh, there's no biological grounding for it. Yeah. Well, I think I think it would I think they would face some discrimination, but I think I think it would it would be in a different form. I agree, it would be it would be in a different form, but I think again, we, they would have to interact with humans, right? And because they're interacting with humans who discriminate a lot, right? Mm-hmm. There would be room for us to discriminate against them. Like if I were to go to Republicans and start saying like, uh, talk about like transgender robots to them, I'm pretty sure they would flip shit just like they, like just no, not just Republicans, but you know people who are bigoted against those people, they would they would flip their shit just like if I was talking about transgender humans, right? And so I think you would still even even sometimes like. My fear is that when we introduce new technologies, we introduce new things, especially if, if these AIs are going to be sentient, because we still have our own prejudices and we still have our own biases, that those won't go away just because of technology. Yeah, yeah the technology itself may not have it, which is debatable because we're programming a technology. Mm-hmm. So we know that algorithms have their own bias already, right? So will will those biases actually be eliminated in technology or will we just be creating a new form of prejudice, a new form of, of implementing it. Um, it is something that I think about. Uh, so you're saying that even though AI is like a new form of intelligence, it will be actually uh, based on us because we design it. So we will inject our... Um, right, our uh, values. And so and so yeah. therefore, if there's no diversity, what I'm saying is there, if there's no diversity, if there's no representation from minorities, if there's no representation from from women, there's no representation from people from LGBT or people from just other diverse lifestyles. If if it's only white men, then you're going to get somewhat of this of the same problem, potentially even worse, because now these things would be even more powerful, right? But I'm not sure. Like you actually need a representative from every group to make sure that. Uh, AI doesn't have the problem because I think AI by its nature, by by its default nature, won't have many of those problems. Like I don't think it will have the gender problem because it's just software. It's not bound. It could easily transfer to if it doesn't like like the the robot that we put it in. It could easily transfer to a different robot. Not you know it's not a problem like with humans. Mm. I don't think it will have the same nature as humans do by default. So like many of the issues that we deal with 
we don't really have to prevent them in AI, I think, because they won't exist just by design. And oh, another thing is like, re I think people are, there are two different types of people that, because AI is very hyped now, so especially out of articles and news, uh, that people who know about AI and uh, they talk more about political side of things, right? And there are actual researchers who do research in AI. And I think those two people have different goals. So I think researchers like me and people I know that work in AI, they don't really uh, worry about designing uh, values for AI. They worry about figuring out the, the computational processes for intelligence to appear, to emerge. Um, not, you know, what the AI should behave like in terms of uh, human perception or something like that so i think um a lot of those things won't exist because researchers just i don't think researchers will inject uh racism or sexism or something into a robot because most people who i know who are researchers in ai uh they just worry about making a system that can uh, uh reason on its own yeah but my problem is that these these biases may be some of them may be unconscious right they may not they may, may not that, know that yeah. they are so that that's the, only that the thing. robot once the robot learns, I think, and it watches human movies, it interferes with humans, then he can learn from that, maybe, yeah. Then he can learn from 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 culture, I guess. Yeah, but I, I think, think that the, would be the, the that would be the best thing, exposing AI to different cultures, different people, so they realize that just because you're different doesn't mean that it's it's but I just don't it's, been, it's I bad. I don't believe like that even if it was just white ma white males in a lab that created the first conscious AI, I don't think they would design it with human values in mind. They would just design a system that's intelligent, that would learn on its own. And then the learning, that's when it becomes... I mean, same with humans. When you're born, I don't think you have any uh, prejudice by default when you're born, right? You kind of... Right. That's part of learning. That's when you interact with society. So I think it's the same with robots. It's not the design phase that's worrisome. It's more once the AI is out in the world and it interacts with uh, society, that's when it can become biased. Not, I don't think uh, it will become biased in the lab before it's released. Okay. Well, I guess we can we can just agree to disagree. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, that's uh, my opinion because I, I just personally like I worry about designing a, a system that learns and whatever it learns from that that might be biased. But I wouldn't personally inject bias because I don't think there's a place for it in the lab. It's just like designing the brain uh, without that brain is kind of like a newborn child and that's where it starts with. So I'm just designing the hardware and the software that uh, defines the brain, I think. not the right. culture. That's true. Well, I guess with that, we're running out of time. This is a fascinating conversation. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, that's been an hour already. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been, it's been an hour of like... <laughs> I see, uh, like, how you guys enjoy these uh, podcasts. Like you said, it started as you guys having conversations uh, spontaneously. Cause yeah, really. That's that's really four hours, right? Right, <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's and that's what we did. I mean, because me and M would always, like I said, I think we told us, but but me and M would like just kind of get on the phone, but usually after we were hungover. Right? <laughs> yeah, mostly. This is what this is this is when it would normally happen. So like he would go out or I would go out, and then. All, there always something happens when we when we go out. It's always some interesting story, right? And we would just get on the phone and talk about it. Like we're hungover. Oh man, I drank too much last night. Yo, we can't believe what happened, blah blah. And then we would decide to get intellectual and shit and start talking about other things. And these conversations would last anywhere between an hour and a half to 
two hours or, or, or something like that. And then we said, well, you know, fuck it. Why not turn this into a podcast? Right. Because, you know, we're, we're not saying we're like geniuses, but I think we're like at least intelligent in some point. Right. Some, I guess. So we think we have something to say and yeah, you're I both, think, uh, you know, we feel like you might as well edu- say it. Educated say. individuals. So I think there's lots of people who want to hear your insights and you're in the fields. I think uh, you both work uh, in something related to uh, genetics and brain. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? So we're both scientists and stuff, but we're also interested in philosophy and other different types of things. So, yeah, so it's, it's, these are the, this is like sort of like very easy for us in that way because it's, it's just about the way we talk. Like it's just, we speak to each other. And now it's great when we're inviting guests. I mean, this was a very, very interesting conversation. We got to cover everything from like AGI to sex bots and virtuality <laughs> and all types of shit. And even like, you know, will AI have gender and will it be discriminated against? I yeah. think that's a very interesting thing that I haven't really heard anyone talk about before. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you gave us, you know, some of your time so that we could, we could talk about these issues. Cause I mean, if I'm going to talk about AI with someone, honestly, and this is, I'm like, you know me, I'm not a kiss ass type person. So mm-hmm. but if I'm going to talk about AI with anyone, it's going to be, you know, with you. Cause you're like in the field and, and stuff like that and really trying to advance it in a, in a, in a really, uh, rigorous way. Um, yeah, I gotta say that question about gender that kind of took me by surprise because I, I, I never heard anyone, uh, mentioning this in the past. So I haven't really, uh, you know, put a lot of thought into it. Uh, so we might maybe revisit this topic uh, uh, maybe a, a year from now if your podcast, you know, is still going on. Yeah, if we don't get canceled by then. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely have to. We'll definitely have to. Uh, <laughs> to have to follow up with you uh, yeah. and stuff like that. But we're we're glad, really glad to have you on. I will definitely talk to you uh, soon because we will keep produ- uh, keep releasing episodes and stuff. So I'm 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 glad to hear your feedback and stuff. And it was nice having you on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, it was great.